0: Hi, this is Corncod One, your host of Paleo Conservative on Steroids, and welcome to our first podcast. We're going to cover a number of issues, uh, some quite briefly, perhaps more in detail. On this our our first podcast for this uh, new shoe. Let's talk, let's talk a little bit about American politics. Well, there is this interesting Congresswoman named, named Maxine Waters, who I think should be given a plaque and, uh, some sort of a monetary award by both the Republican National Committee and Donald Trump for helping the Republican Party and President Trump, uh, in, uh, in staying in power and promote, and promoting them. Because the woman, the woman is, as uh, as Mr. Trump said in, in, at a recent rally, that she's a a, a sixty IQ idiot, and, uh, and nothing nothing truer was said. I mean, she sounds like somebody who just uh, stepped off a street in Harlem, uh, and she's not very bright, and she says crazy things, and acts like a lunatic and calls on Democrats to uh, do everything but physically assault Republican officials. Please, please, let this woman run for president against Trump in in 2020. It would be like a dream come true. Because she is obviously not only extremely radical, extremely corrupt, what a flat-out moron. So, thank you for bringing, thank you God for bringing Maxine Waters into our, into our lives. Another big thing everyone's been keeping an eye on is the situation in Europe where European heads of state have recently finished their negotiations with with Angela Merkel, who, Chancellor of Germany, who I've given the nickname the murderer of Europe, for destroying, or ma- at least making a good attempt at, at destroying European civilization, possibly for good, by letting in all sorts of third world migrants. Um, she was forced to negotiate with rebellious uh, EU national heads like Victor Orban and even more importantly the wonderful Matteo Salvini who refuses to let NGO ships bring so-called migrants into Italy. It's wonderful. It's like uh, Camp of the Saints, Raspial's Camp of the Saints with a happy ending. You know, the giant ships full of barbarians uh, coming into into Europe, which is the sad ending of Raspial's 1970 novel, but all of a sudden over the hill comes Salvini in the spirit of Jan Sobieski, in the spirit of the great French leader uh, who uh, won the Battle of Tours. Frankish leader that won the Battle of Tours uh, in uh, stemming the Muslim hordes, and uh, so it caused a major crisis. Also, the, the, the major crisis within her party, uh, the, the head of the Christian Social Union, uh, Herr Seehofer, which, who was in her cabinet and representing the Bavarian Sister party of her own Christian Social Union, you know, threatens rebellion. Well, unfortunately, I was hoping that uh, last week's negotiations would have marked the end of Angela Merkel's career and that the murderer of Europe would go into retirement. But alas, that has not happened. But she has made many. Uh, concessions, and also the final agreement that was banged out uh, turned out to be extremely vague, and I think uh, the excellent uh, Prime Minister of Hungary, Viktor Orban, has basically told Merkel that, you know, he's not going to let any migrants in, and Salvini is uh, the de facto leader of Italy, is certainly not going to let... Uh, any more, at least, uh, migrants brought by NGO vessels into Italy. So although we didn't get our great victory, uh, we didn't lose Angela Merkel, the cat lady, who uh, never had any children herself, and so she decided that that the entire continent of Africa should be transferred, trans- transferred to Germany and to other European countries to be her children. The woman is clearly delusional and completely insane. And uh, the sooner she's no longer Chancellor of Germany, uh, the sooner things will get better for the people of that continent. And I can't wait for the day. We've also seen, I know I've already mentioned Salvini and Orban, but the Austrian Chancellor... Sebastian Kurtz, who rules in coalition with, with the Freedom Party of uh, Herr Strache, has been really doing excellent work. He's suggested a an axis of uh, Germany, Austria, and other European countries to stand up against uh, this free migration concept. So he's also giving Headaches to Merkel. It's kind of interesting. In public opinion polls in Germany, I understand, the most uh, the most popular German politician is not a German, but an Austrian, and that's Sebastian Kurtz, who's taken a much, much harder line on, on immigration uh, of various uh, kinds, and uh, he's become you know, the extremely young Sebastian Kurtz, who's the I think he's the youngest world leader right now at the age of thirty one, but the young the young man has really shown great leadership. And he's also, of course, being pushed by his coalition partners that came very close, the Nationalist Freedom Party came very close to beating him. So he realizes that if he wants his career to continue he is going to have to make concessions to the Freedom Party and and Herr Strache. So uh, the trend in Europe now is against against migration. And uh, although we didn't get to end Ms. Merkel's polit- political career, things are definitely, definitely headed in the right direction. Also, talking about the wonderful Matteo Salvini, who's technically... Uh, Deputy Prime Minister and uh, Interior Minister of Italy, but I think slowly, well, not so much slowly, but in, in rapidly in the in the last few weeks, because he's so powerful and so popular that he's becoming the de facto leader of Italy, sort of overshadowing his coalition partner, Mr. Di Maio of the Five Star Movement, which is not a bad organization but kind of diffuse and disorganized. It doesn't really have an ideological center. But uh, Salvini, who's changed his regionalist uh, Lega Nord Party into simply Lega, or Lega Lega Salvini as it's sometimes known, has really become the master of Italy. And uh, he's an extremely, extremely uh, uh, personable person he, you know, he has an amazing personality. Uh, women seem, Italian women seem to just about faint in his presence. I mean, the man has, the man has charisma in spades. And he's become really the, the master of, uh, of Italy. And I think we've already seen the, a lot of the positive effects of this. And not only on migration issues, well, but stuff related to migration issues. Um, he, has, uh, he has embarked on a plan to, to get rid of all gypsies in Italy who are not citizens, who are not formal Italian citizens. Now, the so-called Roma, as they style themselves, uh, you know, have a tendency toward crime and kidnapping and other illegal activities. And if they're not going to behave in Italy, well, they're going to be, a large proportion of them are going to be thrown out of Italy. Send them somewhere else. Um, Going around to another area of the world, the situation in extremely socialist Venezuela has turned very dark. Uh, The people of Caracas have broken into the zoo and eaten the animals. The country is in the grip of starvation because of of the radical socialist policies of Maduro. And it doesn't look like there's going to be any change there. Uh, it used to be a lot of people would join the army in order to in order to get a free meal. But even the army now is running out of food, and the situation in Venezuela is extremely, extremely dire. Uh, I think it's possible that Maduro may take a bullet to the head someday, because the people of Venezuela want to eat. I often defend, in a way, I defended his predecessor in the past a little bit, Because I don't think the, I don't think the American government should be constantly involved in Latin American affairs directly. Uh, I don't think we should remove Maduro in Venezuela. But I'd be very happy if the Venezuelan people got rid of Maduro because what he's, what he's doing to those people is exceedingly, exceedingly cruel. On a more happy note, uh, uh, Mr. Duque, a kind of right-wing populist, has become El Presidente of neighboring Colombia, and I think one of the main reasons why uh, the people of Colombia have decided to go right-wing populist is because there's a million Venezuelan refugees now uh, sitting in Colombia. And I think they've been given a uh, an object lesson in civics, in that socialism doesn't work. I'm not necessarily a, as a third positionist, I'm not I'm not necessarily a a an uncritical admirer of capitalism, but certainly. Rigid socialism is just as destructive and crazy. And so the people of nearby Colombia have decided, hey, we'd better get, we'd better put this right-wing populist in office. And also, in other good news in Latin America, uh, there's a wonderful candidate, right-wing candidate in Brazil, by the name of Jair Bolsonaro, who currently leads the polls in the Brazilian elections that are coming up in a couple of months. Uh, Bolsonaro's is an ex-army officer, and his main thing in life is to bring water back to Brazil. Uh, these giant favelas or slums in the major Brazilian cities have become completely uncontrollable and run by drug gangs. And so Bolsonaro has broadly hinted he's going to use similar tactics to the great Filipino leader, Duterte, in that, you know, maybe some major drug dealers will wind up dead rather than uh, having to go through the judicial system. Interestingly enough, Bolsonaro happens to be a good friend of none other than Donald Trump. I hear they have a weekly phone call together. So I'd be very happy to see Jair Bolsonaro uh, become the leader of Brazil, the land of Bossa Nova. I always said that the that uh, uh, America would would gradually. Get the social structure of Brazil, thanks to our liberal friends, uh, with a tiny, with a tiny, uh, white elite controlling millions and millions of somewhat darker people who live on a couple of handfuls of rice a week. And, uh, I always said that, uh, America would come, become Brazil without the cool music. But uh, if uh, Bolsonaro becomes president of Brazil, I think there might be some hope for the Brazilian people who have had 30 years of uh, basically left-wing governments. You know, every once in the good old days, you know, before the, ni- the late 1980s, it used to be that uh, when the left-wing parties would, would, be, would be doing foolish stuff, the... Like the adults in the room, the military would come in and they'd be a coup, and the military would run things for a while and be a bit more responsible, a.k.a. a sort of, uh, you know, the, a sort of Pinochet situation. But, uh, uh, so I'm hopeful that uh, Bolsonaro uh, will become the next president of Brazil, but it might, it might be a little tight, uh, so I'm not, I'm not predicting that Bolsonaro will win, But apparently, he's heading the polls, and I'm pretty happy about that. Going back to the United States, uh, you know, suddenly online, on the web, and in a lot of other places, there's lots of civil war talk. You know, it's not just Infowars and Alex Jones, but all sorts of other people are talking about the possibility of civil war in the United States due to a sort of almost even political division between pop uh, populist supporters of Donald Trump and the increasingly crazy and radical American left or you know with its uh, neo-Marxist obsessions um However, uh, contra to those who are saying civil war is imminent, I don't see c- civil war as being a near-term possibility. I don't think the left wants to do it. Um, I think they want to hold back. They'd do anything to get rid of Trump, but I think they'd be afraid of the wrath of the American people if they got rid of him in some sort of underhanded way. Um, On to another topic. A few days ago, uh, Vice President Pence made a speech to uh, ICE officers at their headquarters. I'm glad to see Pence is getting with the program a little bit and supporting our president. Frankly, I still don't trust him because frankly i don't trust conventional american movement conservatives when he was governor of indiana and he passed a uh, an anti an anti-transsexual bill which would have said that people had to be identified by the sex on their birth certificate he got some pressure from big business and caved i see him as I see Pence as a weakling, frankly, and I think it's very important that if, you know, God willing, you know, we prevail in 2020 and return Mr. Trump to office, that we make sure that uh, Mr. Pence not be made president of the United States, that he be not the next president. Um... There are many good reasons for this. One of them is, I don't trust American evangelicals to have a decent foreign policy. They're much too much wedded to Zionism. And we don't want a situation where, once again, we have Benjamin Netanyahu being our Secretary of State. Um, It's sad that on a couple of occasions, Trump has... uh, followed the followed the orders of, of Mr Netanyahu uh but i think he's pursued a bit more of an independent line than some other republican american presidents would i'm not letting him off the hook for those two attacks against my favorite arab country syria which i think was a ma- you know two major mistakes on mr trump's part but uh I think it's very important that we not have Pence in 2020 as our candidate. I think it would be disastrous. So let's not even think about him. Also, more in Trump uh, news, it looks like uh, Giuseppe Conte, the uh, Prime Minister of Italy, will be visiting Trump in July in the White House, and that's a that's a good. Uh, uh, that's a good thing. I mean, Conti isn't the the real man of power in Italy, like I meant, like I mentioned a few moments ago. It's Salvini and Demeo who are basically co-ruling, and Mr. Conti is kind of an, an obscure economist who they who who they made as a kind of functionary to follow uh, Demeo and Salvini. Now in recent weeks, if you look at the public opinion polls and the municipal elections in Italy, uh, Salvini is dominating Di Maio and his sort of disorganized five-star movement. So nationalism is, uh, proceeding apace in, uh, in Italy. But Conti, I think, as a representative, of Salvini and Demayo. I think he's actually done a good job. He's kind of a pre- he's kind of a presentable guy. He's very intelligent. Uh, so even if he is kind of a cat's paw, I think he's done a, I think he's done a reasonably good job. He sort of pre- presents well, and well, you know, he's a professor of economics, and so he's kind of an intelligent fellow, and he's gone along, of course, with the anti-immigrant uh, sentiments. So it'll be good to see, uh, American and, and Italo-American relations, uh, go, go in a very positive direction. So I'm happy about that. Uh, speaking of American relations with foreign countries, it looks like, uh, Putin and Trump will have a meeting soon. And I'm very happy about that. Um, the attempt to soil Trump's presidency with phony claims that he's some sort of puppet of the Russian government has kind of spoiled, uh, peaceful Russian-American relations, which I think would have been an excellent. So, unfortunately, uh, Trump has felt he's had to take a tougher line on the, on the Russians than he's wanted, because he's always liked, uh, President Putin, uh, but he's had to—he's had to sort of pretend to be a little bit tougher against the Russians than he intend than he originally intended. So it looks like Trump is getting a little bit braver, and so I think there's the possibility of much improved relations between Russia and the United States. You know, uh, Otto von Bismarck, probably the smartest foreign policy and strategic mind that ever that ever lived, and he says the first rule of politics is a good treaty with Russia. So I think he's right about that. Good relations with Russia are very important, uh, both for the peace of the world and for the prosperity of the United States. The Democratic Party's insane hatred of Mr. Putin is a very, very foolish move, and that says somehow they want war against Putin, or they want to overthrow Putin with some sort of color revolution I think is completely nuts. I think they hate Putin because he's returned Christianity to its pride of place in Russian society. I mean, anybody who's read Russian literature or studied Russian history and culture knows that uh, that the Russian Orthodox Church, whether you like all the details of its theology or not, you know, is a major part of Russian identity. And and also, the fact that Putin has uh, promulgated laws against homosexual propaganda in the schools, I think has made the left completely uh, furious against him, and I think they want to destroy him, if only just for that, which just goes to show how just crazy and off-the-wall and nuts the left has gone in the United States. Trump gave an excellent speech a couple of days ago in Great Falls, Montana, uh, mocking the press, mocking Democrats, mocking Pocahontas, calling Maxine Waters a 60 IQ idiot. You know, it was really a wonderful speech. It's like the kind he used to give when he was uh, running for office. And so I think, uh, you know, we're getting back the old kind of wild Trump. I mean... Trump is, as I think, is one of the greatest political minds of his generation. I think he surprised everyone, including me. You know, I I knew he'd have good intentions as president, and I knew he would. I knew he was a good man, and he cared about the middle and working classes of this country. But uh, I never understood how he could be so brilliant in the face of, you know, deep state opposition. And I think he's performed in a lot of ways uh, wonderfully. Although, like Ann Coulter, I am still a little angry about not getting our wall, which I think is the major flaw in his administration, apart from the two attacks against Syria. But uh, really, really, I'm very happy about the Trump administration overall. He's made some mistakes, but I think he's been a wonderful leader, probably the best American president in 100 years. So... uh, Thanks for listening, and uh, we, this is Cord Cod 1 signing off from Paleo Conservative on Steroids.